0: The following episode is one of 10 sample programs. Podcast is a public service of focusedpassion.com.
1: Get an even higher education including courses in personal empowerment and self-mastery at focusedpassion.com. Remember the ED, that's focusedpassion.com.
0: Welcome to another episode of our personal empowerment series, Finding Yourself in Paradise. Hi, I'm Michael Benner, and I'm Steve Snyder. Now our program today we were going to call on second thought
1: But then on second thought we we thought well What about third thoughts and fourth thoughts and we decided to entitle this program beyond second thought?
0: This could be really revolutionary for you if you are like the vast majority of people You will live your whole life and never consider that you are more than what you think and feel More than what you think and feel in other words when you have a second thought, where did that come from? Here you are busy thinking along a particular line of thought, a train of thought, we sometimes call it. Get a picture of a train of thought. That's the expression, right? And, oh, I lost my train of thought because this second thought just exploded into my awareness. Now, if you're your thoughts, what does that say about you? Are you a victim of your thinking? Do we generate thoughts? Certainly, we can apply ourselves to our thinking, but even when we don't, if we just sit back and relax, there's still a stream of consciousness or a train of thinking that can be interrupted. So, if we're a victim of our thinking, what does that say about the thought process? If we're a victim of our thinking, what it says is that
1: we have thought that we are our thought process, that we can't change ourselves because thoughts make us do things and that's just not true. We can allow that to happen. We can follow our thoughts to wherever they take us and do whatever we think, or we can stop and, on second thought, choose to do something different. We can say, well, that was against my better judgment, or I knew better, or there was a part of me that just felt that wasn't the right thing to do. We can follow our thoughts through to their logical and sometimes illogical conclusions Or we can monitor our thoughts from the higher self. Watch the thought process taking place. Watch ourselves. Look what I'm thinking now. And say, do I like that train? Am I going to jump on that train and follow that train to wherever it goes? Or no, I think I'm going to say, hey, conductor, I want to jump on a different train, and I'm going to follow that train to where I want to go instead. The higher self has the right to choose, because thoughts
0: aren't who you are. Thoughts are just, to quote the late, great Rod Serling, submitted for your approval. And of course, the theme of this series is finding yourself, all capital letters, in paradise. So this is another angle on what it means to find your true self, your higher self. The authentic and genuine sense of who you are is more than your thoughts, but somebody who could discern a good thought from a not-so-good idea. There's a figure of speech, especially among younger people, who in retrospect might say, well, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Well, did it? Was that an impulse? Are we more than our mental impulses? Well, of course we are. We, we mature and we learn to stop and think. But we'd like to take that to the next level with you and help you to create the awareness that you are more than your thoughts, and for that matter, more than your feelings as well. You are the awareness
1: of the fact that you have thoughts and feelings. And with that awareness, you can bring to bear the power of the second thought anytime you choose. You can follow your normal line of thinking. Let's say um, there's a subject you worry about. Uh, finances. That's not an uncommon thing to worry about these days. And where that takes you, worrying about finances, is images of not being able to pay the bills, feelings of inadequacy, uh, senses of frustration and maybe scrambling to, to make it. And that's where your train of thought always seems to go every time you think of yourself uh, in terms of the financial situation you're in. But you have the ability to take a second thought. You have the ability to say, okay, I'm starting this train again, and it's heading down this way, but, but wait a minute now. I know where this train's going. I've been there lots of times. It's not any value to me to go there again. In fact, the truth is I'm just reinforcing the likelihood of that occurring, that future thing I'm worried about, by going there again. This time, I'm going to choose consciously to ride a different train And I'm going to imagine solutions. I don't know how this train's going to get to that station I'm looking at, but I'm going to start looking at that station. Of I've got enough to pay my bills, and I'm getting more, and I'm I'm solving my financial crisis, and I'm mastering prosperity. I I want a train that pulls into that station, so I have the ability to start to imagine that train of thought pulling into that station. I don't have to know the journey it took to get to that destination. I just have to start imagining the destination. That's my second thought. My first thought would automatically be follow that train to financial ruin. But on second thought, I'm going to choose to create a different train that takes me to the land of prosperity.
0: It's interesting that these terms have worked their way into our vocabulary. Phrases like train of thought or stream of consciousness I read a book many, many years ago. This, this, I think, will give you an idea of how rare this insight is. For me, it was a real eye-opener. It was a book called Concentration. It's got to be 40, 50 years old by a fellow named Ernest Wood. And he was proposing that there are really only four roads of thought. That when your thinking is not applied to a particular task... Uh, logical, deductive, figuring stuff out or creative musing or whatever, when you just sit back and relax and don't consciously decide to think of anything in particular, there still is that thought stream or that train, if you will, get an image of thoughts connected to each other, that train of thought. Well, Ernest Wood said in this book, there's only four ways that that stream of consciousness, that the the cars in that train of thought could be connected to the next thought. Again, when your thinking is not applied to a particular task and you just sit back, consider that each thought that occurs to you or set of thoughts blended with feelings is connected to the next series of thoughts and feelings, in only one of four different ways. Now, we're, we're not going to go into those and study those four particular roads of thought, but doesn't that help you get a perspective that you could learn to stand back consciously and from a somewhat detached, a more mindful perspective, see the bigger picture, and see yourself going through the experience of this thinking. I dare say you could make better judgments based on a better understanding of why you think what you think when you do that detaching and look at it from a somewhat separated, a detached point of view. When you do that,
1: what you do is you get to see the problem from your own unique perspective. Instead of the autopilot programming that's in your brain. You know, you have what your parents told you, what teachers told you, what society told you, that's just there. It's just rampantly running through your brain. And without thinking, it's what comes out. But when you stop and step back and take the perspective of the higher self, the disconnected, the detached kind of perspective, that's you. That includes all the memories of all those things everybody ever told you, but that's the unique you. So all of a sudden, you bring your own unique perspective to it. You know, there's a, there's a line in a Dylan song that I've been just fascinated by many, many, many years now, since the 70s, and, and it just, it goes like this. If I'd have thought about it, I never would have done it. I guess I would have let it slide. If I'd have paid attention to what others were thinking, the heart inside of me would have died. But I was much too stubborn to ever be governed by enforced insanity. Somebody had to reach for that rising star. I guess it was up to me. And to me, that says, if I'd have thought about it, what everybody else is doing, I wouldn't do that just because everybody else is doing it. If I'd have thought about it, I never would have done it. I need to think about it before I do it. I don't want to just do it because everybody else does it, because I'm not everybody else. But from that, I'm my thoughts thing, I feel like I'm everybody else. From that, I'm awake. My higher self is seeing
0: the real me. That's a real different perspective. I remember a phrase from childhood, my childhood anyway, where... Parents would sometimes say to kids that had made mistakes, well, you did that, you say, because your friends did it? Well, if your friends told you to jump off a pier, would you jump off a pier? And I'm going, well, probably. You know, <laughs> that, that's the way it is when you're a kid, as if there's this group mind. But our parents tell us what not to do, but often don't tell us what to do instead. What they could say is you must learn to think for yourself. But even that can be... A challenging concept. I think Timothy Leary gets credit for the bumper sticker, Question Authority and Think for Yourself. That was Timothy. Right? I think Question Authority, I think it was his. And Think for Yourself. And that was controversial when that came out in the 60s. What do you mean, think for yourself? What are we going to have, anarchy? <laughs> no. How about a democracy based on being responsible for what you think and feel? Not just being the thought and the feeling. Well, I thought that. Well, did you? Are you not aware of the fact that on some level you agreed with the thought? Even if you're willing to act without agreeing, there's an implied agreement when you go, well, okay, I thought it was a good idea at the time. What does it really mean to think for yourself? You know, in order to think for yourself, you really have to employ second thoughts because
1: oftentimes your first thoughts aren't yourself. Oftentimes your first thoughts are thoughts that you've just parroted back things you were told that you never thought about. You just accepted blindly, blind faith in because a parent said it or a teacher said it or the te- television commercial said it over and over again. So you understand that everything you think isn't your own thought. A lot of what you think isn't your own thought. Second thoughts are always your own thought. So if you want to think for yourself and what is it, if, if you don't do that, who, who's going to, you know, what I mean, you've got to think for yourself, then that means you have to question the authority of your first thought. Your first thought isn't necessarily true. Your th- first thought isn't necessarily the authority. S- questioning authority means, where did that thought come from? You know, why do I believe that? Why do I think that? I mean, is that just because, am I a Democrat just because my mom was a Democrat? You know, I mean, or have I really thought this through, you know? Uh, so the bottom line is, if you want to think for yourself, you have to question the authority of you that you personally have given to
0: that first thought, that autopilot thought. It may not be what you really believe. Thinking about thinking in this way led Steve and I to consider some time back that most of us feel like we are a passenger in a car that's being driven by our thoughts. Get a picture of your brain or your means of thinking as sitting behind the driver's seat and the essence of who you are is riding shotgun, or maybe you're in the back seat, and we let the thought drive the car. I guess we let the emotions work the pedals. That's not the only way to look at it. You can actually put the higher self that you find in paradise behind the wheel. And then the thought becomes the wheel and the emotion becomes the pedal. Who's really driving? Are you going to do everything that comes into your head because you thought so? Are you going to Take behavior based upon whatever feeling occurs to you because you're a victim of thoughts and feelings? Or are you going to put the higher self, the true self, the essence of who you really, really are in the driver's seat, and then think of the steering wheel as the thought, and you decide to turn left to turn right. You monitor the thinking. That's an elevated perspective that gives you more choices. And I think that's what we're talking about here. The benefit of allowing second thought, of encouraging conscious examination from an somewhat detached and elevated perspective, that just gives you more choices.
1: That higher self, essentially the part of you that's not driven by the ego, the part of you that feels safe, the part of you that doesn't worry and doesn't have any anger or fear inside of it. I mean, the higher self doesn't have any fear because the only thing that there is to be afraid of is real danger, clear and present danger. And the higher self knows the autopilot, the fight or flight will take over if that happens. So, so if there's any fear in your voice, that's not the, the higher self voice. We're talking about the one that totally feels safe. The second thought's, That we encourage you to have are about the important thoughts in your life. For example, the question like, what do I want the most? You have an idea of what you want, but maybe it's time to have a second thought about that, a second thought about what do I want the most from that perspective of that higher self. Because you see, the ego self wants things uh, that would satisfy it. But when you go from the higher self, then the answer to the question, what do I want the most always includes the feelings the and the response and effect of all the other people in your life as well. The higher self always wants the best for everyone in, involved. So, so when you ask yourself, what do I want the most? And let's, let's take a second look at this idea of what do I want uh, from a higher self perspective. What do I want the most? All kinds of different answers can come through. And that's the kind of things you want to take second thoughts about. To have a second thought about your health. Have a second thought about your relationships. Have a second thought about the way you're raising your kids. Have a second thought about some things you think you're doing really well because in having that second thought, you might be able to figure out a way to do it even better.
0: Only yesterday I picked up a set of headphones off the desk because I was in a hurry to record something. And I had to have these headphones in place, but they were all tangled up. They were twisted and knotted, and I tried to hurry up and do it anyway because I had to get these ideas down on the recorder, but no way. I had to stop, take a breath, relax, and put my attention on untangling the cord. And only then was I able to do the recording I wanted to do. It occurs to me that's a little bit like what we need to do with our thinking. When our thoughts get all tangled up and all mixed up, Each of us has the ability to take a step back, to put that tangled mass of confusion, all those thoughts that are tangled like the wires I just described, and put it down, let go, not to be dissociated, but simply detached, to take that one step back that allows you to not only see that it's tangled, but see how to untangle your thinking. That's the higher self you find in paradise.
1: Because tangled thinking leads the mind to the experience of confusion, and confusion is confused with fear and danger when we are confused, the ego self goes, wait a minute, I don't know about this thing. It might be dangerous. If I knew about it, I'd know if it was dangerous or not. But I don't know about this thing. This is confusing. It might be dangerous. Let's act like it is. And all of a sudden, the ability to do the higher self kind of thinking, the detached, the big picture kind of thinking goes away. We give it up for this either or mentality this really fast deciding methodology we have when we're in danger. But that one deep breath, that one slow, conscious deep breath, that ability to, to step outside and see it from the higher self perspective, and all of a sudden you feel safe, all of a sudden you see choices, lots of choices, uh, second thoughts, third thoughts, fourth thoughts appear to you. It's it's a really marvelous way to live your life. Not that you could do it all the time, not that you'd need to do it all the time, but in those critical moments when it really matters the most when you're making decisions or you're changing directions or you're motivating yourself or you're helping somebody else when when it really matters the most those are the times that you just want to not go with what your autopilot response is going to be it might be even really good but these are the times to take a second thought and even go beyond that take a third thought a fourth thought at what's really possible here
0: Now, what about the concept of contemplation? We're all so busy. We're all in such a hurry. It may be that in your whole life, you spaced out a few times, but have you ever spaced in? Have you ever gone to that altered place where you're detached from your streams of thought, your trains of thought, and again, sort of rise above it? And in a focused, a detached, but nevertheless focused way from this elevated perspective, just let your thoughts and feelings have their way with you. To be less willful in the moment and more aware of the quality of your thoughts and feelings. That can provide some powerful insights. It concerns me that in this day and age, with the levels of anxiety And the frenetic pace at which we live, that the whole idea of introspection or contemplation is being lost, and that whole generations of young people are completely unfamiliar with the idea of constructive spacing out, we could say, which is really spacing in, which is really introspection or contemplation. Let go of it. Take a breath. We'll do this a little later in this program. We'll we'll show you in an audio journey, some examples of what we're talking about. Take a breath because it's important to get out of fight or flight. Feel safe enough to muse. You know that's why museums are called museums. That's where the muse is kept. That's where the inspiration is. To muse, to think creatively, and just kick back. I mean. like the way I tend to say it is, as I've already said, allow my thoughts and feelings to have their way with me. I survive that. I endure that. I am more than that. It takes me back to the idea of choices. But before I can choose from all these new thoughts, these new ideas that were standing on the verge of my awareness but not quite getting in, I had to contemplate. I had to relax. I had to detach. It occurs to me that the audio journey or the
1: uh, paradise journey, the alpha exercise, the guided meditation, whatever you want to call it, the whole process of doing that is, in a in a way, a second thought. It's a second way of thinking. It's sort of a different way. Instead of the normal way of multitasking, divided attention, all these thoughts competing for attention in your mind, a second way of doing it is to close your eyes and take a deep breath and go to a place where you feel safe and start to do this second thought kind of thinking, this paradise kind of thinking. It's paradise thinking that allows us to live in the land of second thoughts. It allows us to, because we feel safe, to think about things that might lead to disappointment or might lead to unknown outcomes where when we don't feel safe, we're afraid to go there. So the safety factor of the higher self, the the detached higher consciousness, allows us to explore second, third, fourth options, different possibilities, allows our mind the freedom to think of things that would normally be scary to contemplate to the, the normal consciousness, but from the higher self, the feeling of being so powerful and safe, we can go places that we were afraid to go. And you'll find the best of yourself
0: sometimes in the places you were most afraid to go. This is a concern that I have. I've always had as an adult. It never occurred to me as a young person when I was really good at dreaming in just a natural way, but... The idea that we get in trouble for dreaming. Just the whole idea of get your head out of the clouds, get real, get your feet down here on the ground as if dreaming up solutions is fanciful and focusing only on the problem is somehow more realistic. Or in a school setting when you're staring out the window thinking about girls or guys or baseball or whatever uh, causes you to space out in the middle of class. Instead of getting in trouble for that and getting an eraser thrown up the backside of your head and humiliated in front of everybody for not paying attention.
1: Do they still do that then, I don't I know. I do think it. so. I
0: yeah. think so. I think it's getting worse as the number of students in a classroom goes up and the money for schools goes I, down. I'm just
1: talking about the erasers. Like the other part I know. The humiliating I know. Oh, I see. Okay.
0: <laughs> I think they still use yeah. erasers. Or maybe a mouse. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's a mouse yeah, they throw down. These days. But what a shame to say, stop daydreaming in this class when it's one of the most effective forms of learning there is. How about guided daydreaming? I used to call this 30 years ago practical daydreaming. Guided imagery, guided meditations. Use the ability that we have to, quote, space out, to do it consciously. In other words, to space in and dream about the lesson at hand. Maybe it's a story problem in math or a lesson in history or geography, or social science. It could be anything. When you relax with a breath, remind the body just how safe you are. You can detach mindfully. This is mindful awareness or detachment. You can go to that second level of thinking. You can consciously and deliberately bring up a second thought, and then a third, and then a fourth. Be less impulsive, less compelled, and more conscious. And now is the time. It's most important for us
1: to do that. America is calling for second thoughts now. Obama has called for second thoughts on energy, for second thoughts on health care, for second thoughts on education. Now is the time for new ideas, new thoughts, different paradigms different ways of looking at it and in order for us to share with our colleagues and our friends and our country people uh, the great ideas we have we have to have those great ideas and we're not going to have those great ideas we keep thinking those same not great ideas we've been thinking we have to take a second thought and a third thought so how do we do that Let's let's take a look at education, for example. That's my great passion. Let's take a second look at education. The obvious paradigm we have right now is the way that it works is all the kids of the same age are in the same room doing the same things in the same way at the same time. Let's take a second thought about that. (laughs) Let's, Let's see if we can come up with a paradigm where each individual kid gets to uniquely learn the way they best learn at the pace they best learn and the way they best learn to accomplish the best learning. I mean, It's time to break down the old paradigms of the
0: way we used to do things and take a second thought. How many times have you heard an adult say to you, and I mean somebody that may be well into adulthood in their 30s or 40s or even 50s and say, well, the truth is I never figured out what I wanted to be when I grew up. Well, maybe that's because we still teach children, as Steve was just saying, in these classrooms, well, inside the box. You can't even draw outside the line in the first or second grade without being told to get back in line. And there's only one right answer to any given problem. Stand in line, toe the line, only one right answer. We don't even care how you got to the answer. We just are interested in the answer. Unless you came up with a unique new way to come up with the answer, and then you got it wrong because you didn't show your work, you know? That's the point. Educating everybody (laughs) to think the same way fails to honor the uniqueness of every child. Steve and I feel strongly about this that a classroom, and the best teachers already do this, create an environment in the classroom where every student is respected. Every student gets dignity for learning in their particular style of learning with their unique set of multiple intelligences. This needs to be honored, and when it is in the school system— private, charter, public, homeschooling, whatever kind of schooling there is, we can honor the individuality in children and instead of trying to force them into a particular mold, draw them out. That's what the word education means, to bring forth or to draw out of these beautiful creative children the essence of who they really are by allowing them and then encouraging them to think for themselves. Doesn't it make sense that that child would then grow up to be an adult that knows what they want to do for a career or as a living, how they want to not just make money or make a living, it's an odd phrase, but to express the essence of who they truly are. Imagine living your whole life and not realizing till the very end that it was so unfulfilling because you never really figured out what was so wonderfully unique about you. That would be a tragedy to take a job because Joe has that job or Mary has that job. Or it looked like the best one in the paper that day, you know. Yeah, I had an attorney come to me once for career counseling. He said, I hate being an attorney. I just, I thought it was a good way to make money. I was always good in school. I've got a natural talent for it, but I just don't like it. After a couple of sessions, what we decided was he could be a counselor for other attorneys that want to do something <laughs> other than be attorneys. So he really made Levinson the lemonade on that one. But the whole idea of learning to think for yourself, if you're a parent, honor this in your children. If you're a teacher, and we're all teachers in some way, honor the uniqueness in the children and give them the slack, the rope necessary, you know loosen your grip on the lead a little bit. Guidance is wonderful, but let them have the ability, or I guess I I want to say honor and respect in children, their uniqueness and encourage them to pursue that and think for themselves. And it's really having the
1: second thought that like opens the gateway to that uniqueness. But understand, you've got to know when and which second thought to listen to. For example, let's say a kid's taking a test, and their first initial is, oh, A, B, C, D, I don't know which answer it is, and then, wait a minute, on second thought, it's not A, and it's not C, it must be B. That on second thought you listen to. But then the next question you read along, and your intuition says, oh, it's B, and you go, well, on second thought, maybe it's not B. Then you don't want to listen to the second thought. You want to listen to the intuitive thought that came first. You see, the confused thought was not your higher self. And so on second thought, logic can find the right answer. If the intuitive, like, oh, that feels right thought comes first, that is the higher self. You don't want to question that with your on second thought. So knowing thyself is important to understand which second thoughts to listen to. If the first thought is certain,
0: don't have a second thought. If the first thought is confused then the on-second-thought works great. The thoughts that are most trustworthy are the ones that come not out of a frenzy or the chaos of thinking and trying to find the right answer. The thoughts you can trust are the ones that reveal themselves, often dawn upon us, but sometimes pop on like a light bulb. In fact, sometimes you feel absolutely thunderstruck by this feeling of a light coming into your head. Now... Not everybody sees it as light. Some people might just have a feeling of dawning in their body. You may even have some sound associated with this aha experience. Eureka illumination is what the ancient Greeks called it. But it's very different than deductive logic. So logic is a wonderful thing. Math, science, even the liberal arts and the humanities honor the value of logic. But beyond The thoughts and the second thoughts that come out of logic and reasoning as we've been taught to do it are not the whole story. There is a higher self. You find it in paradise, not in the chaos and confusion, but in putting it down, taking a breath, letting it go, taking that one step back. Again, it's called mindful detachment. Actually, either word works detachment or mindfulness. Put them together, it's really strong mindful detachment is, I like to say, rising above it or even just stepping back from it to see the bigger picture. And now, oh, I see, there is an awareness that comes to us. It's very different than, well, what do I do? Is it A, B, C, D? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Well, last time it was B. Well, maybe it's C. Uh, You know exactly what I'm talking about. So it's a feeling even beyond emotions, beyond thinking. There is an awareness, and it has a feeling of, oh, I see. So when a thought comes from that higher
1: self, it comes with a feeling of safe and love and joy, and it comes with that confirmation feeling, like, yes, this is true. Those are not feelings you wanna have second thoughts about, because that's where your gut is right. You're in, not every time, but more often than not, way more often than not, your instinct, that first impression is right. It's when you're coming from confusion and you're not sure what to do and you try and choose something or it's when you're coming from the old pattern of just doing it the same old way you've always done it, that's when it's time to take second thoughts. It's really important right now to take second thoughts about the biggest questions of your life. It's, it's important to take second thoughts about the question, what do I want the most? It's important to take second thoughts about the question of how good am I at something? You know, How good can I be at something? How important is this to me? The answers that you came up with the last time you thought about those questions may still be the right answers for you to hold on to today, but... On second thought, they might not. And in fact, today, you might be able to come up with a significantly better answer to those important questions than the ones that you've been habitually thinking and thinking and thinking over and over and over again. On second thought takes you out of your habitual thinking. Now, when your habitual thinking goes down positive trains of thought, it's okay. It's great to have habitual positive thoughts, but when those trains of thoughts take you to places like Never Never Land where you never want to land, then you have to jump off that train and choose to have second thoughts about that. Worrying once makes a whole lot of sense having an idea of what could go wrong so you could be prepared for it But following a train to Worryland over and over again makes no sense at all It just makes it more likely that that's the journey that your life will actually take
0: It's been a good 10 or 15 years since the research of well, Daniel Goleman at Harvard But also others I think Goleman gets credit for coining the phrase emotional intelligence and talking about the EQ as well as the IQ well Another benefit of learning to go beyond second thoughts and to be more than your thoughts and feelings is to discern from this higher self the difference between a thought and a feeling. Often a woman will ask her husband how you feel, and he'll answer with, what do you think? In fact, there's a story that therapists tell each other about having to deal with men who continually say, well, I feel like I think that. Or I feel but it's followed by a judgment rather than I feel like and then it's followed by an actual feeling like sad or happy or lonely or confused is even confused could even be a feeling, right? That's a good example of the crossover point. The confusion, the frenzy and chaos we've been describing as those initial thoughts or being a victim of those thoughts has a quality of feeling to it how do you feel confused what are you thinking i don't know i'm all confused so there are times when we don't even know the difference between our thoughts and feelings and this is true for women as well as men i don't want to put this all on the guys but of course as little boys we're trained that emotional sensitivity is a weakness not an intelligence and how are you going to work that through to find the intelligence your emotional feelings, especially when so many of us have the experience of emotional feelings distorting our thinking and confusing us even more. People say emotional intelligence. What does that mean? When I get emotionally worked up and stressed, my intelligence goes right out the window. That's because the person doesn't understand the concept of beyond second thoughts, of letting go with a breath, going to the alpha brainwave place by feeling safe and relaxed, and then mindfully detaching to that level of awareness that, oh, I see. I see that this is my thinking, and this is my feelings, and I could be getting different information from my thinking than the information that's coming from my feelings. You're going to get a lot out of this program if you just consider that there are at least two basic forms of intelligence, an IQ and an EQ, what you think, but also how you feel. And the second thought sometimes is involved with connecting to
1: that what you feel. So let's take an audio journey to that place where you can live in the world of second thoughts, get in touch with both your IQ and your EQ, where you can take second thoughts about those big questions of your life. And on second thought, you can experience life differently than you experience it on first thought. So let's start by taking a deep breath, holding for a moment, and then as you release... With that exhale, paradise thinking begins with a profound sense of inner peace. It comes as the breath.
0: Ah, release. Slow, deep breathing. And the sensation of letting go of muscular tension. Changes the brain. Changes the way it works. It allows it to go from a tight, zoomed in perspective to a gentle overview of the bigger picture. It's happening to you already. As you take another breath, ah, feel the letting go in your body. And you'll find that your emotional nature begins to calm and your mental nature begins to quiet and you get this sense of having taken a step back or maybe risen slightly above the situation you were all caught up in just a few minutes ago, and now you're starting to see the bigger picture.
1: It begins to occur to you to have the thought, could my second thought be better? In those times of stress, in those times where there are choices to be made, in those times where important decisions occur, your mind is reminded to have the thought, could my second thought be better? Do I have to do it the way that I was going to, or could my second thought be better? It's always worth the time it takes to take a deep breath and see, listen to that second thought, an alternate reality, and ask yourself, does my second thought improve things? Does it make things better than they were? The way I was doing it before, am I absolutely sure that's the right way to go? On second thought, could I possibly know something better to do? My mind is reminded, and your mind is reminded, to take second thoughts to see what
0: else could be true. Consider the word "remind." It's a lot like second thoughts, to remind yourself to think again. Not to simply be a victim of second thoughts, or third, fourth thoughts that lead to confusion. That not, not done too so much as one who consciously and deliberately creates a positive habit of reminding yourself whenever you feel confused or think confused, hey, I got some choices here. I could think for myself. I could access my emotional intelligence as well. By coming here, to this wonderfully safe place of perfect peace and take the time that it takes to create the perspective that it takes to see that I have more choices.
1: So instead of seeing the world as asleep or wide awake, there's another alternative, a different road you can take. You can Add this paradise thinking place as part of each day you can find yourself in this third way every day take some time to get out of the stress slow down your mind and take a look at different aspects of your life the peaceful ones and the parts full of strife look at your health look at your wealth look at the friends that you keep Look at the way you wake up in the morning and the way that you go to sleep. Look at everything important that you do and have a second thought or a third one, too. This is the time that you can explore how your life has been and how you can make it more. Take a few moments every single day in this paradise thinking, in this very special way, feeling safe, feeling focused, feeling absolutely clear, free of the doubt, free of the fear. And in this place, you have choices. Listen to all the different voices. You have options, new ways to be. In paradise thinking, take a second
0: thought and let your second thoughts set you free. I suspect it's surprising at first that the harder you try to understand your thoughts and feelings, the worse you'll do. It's like trying to untangle the wire when you're in a hurry. You've got to say this is really important and take the little bit of time that it takes to wake up, to be more lucid and alert. And from the elevated perspective that that provides, untangle your confusion to find all the choices that are hidden within that maze, that mess of thoughts and feelings, all twisted together. Sometimes you don't even have to unravel it. If you just take a breath, come to paradise thinking, detach mindfully and rise above it, you get this aha experience where the whole thing goes away and is replaced by this clear, lucid insight, this, oh, my Lord, I mean, it's even accompanied, as Steve was saying a moment ago, by a sense of confirmation. Wouldn't it be wonderful to use thinking in this calm, safe, relaxed place to gain that kind of confidence, insight, but also the confidence of knowing you've thought it through clearly, you've examined all of these choices, plus their permutations. Their combinations and their variations, and allowed yourself to see from this elevated perspective. One slow, conscious, deep breath, and the higher self
1: detaches and can see from this elevated perspective. Can see second choices and third ones too. From this higher self place. You don't have to be the you that you've always been. You can choose to change. You can choose to rearrange the patterns in your life. You can choose to let go of the strife. You can choose to be different than you were. Because from the higher self perspective, confusion poses no threat. It's not dangerous. You're safe. And so from that place, all the choices emerge sometimes one at a time, sometimes all in a surge, but you have the option to explore how you could be more. Don't settle for who you've been. On second thought, you could be more than you've ever let yourself be before. Take that second thought in this place of paradise, and each and every time you'll see that on second thought you can help yourself be better than you used to be. And now, as it feels comfortable for you, reorient yourself to where you are in the room. Get in touch with your body. One more deep breath.
0: And bring yourself back to wide awake. Feeling fine, rested and refreshed. I always feel re-energized and ready to go. But in A really focused, kind of integrated way after just three or four minutes, really, in these alpha brainwave levels. We call it finding yourself in paradise. That's the name of the whole series. And there's so much you can do in these deep levels of relaxation. They're all higher brain functions. When you feel safe and relaxed, you know, you can do a little bit of Google research sometime and. Look at the research that's being done in major universities and other research institutions, not just in the United States, but all over the world, about what happens to the brain as an organ in terms of blood flow and electrical response, actual growth of gray matter and proliferation of neurons when you relax, when you meditate, when you contemplate, when you reflect, mindfully. You'll grow your brain and certainly the mind and the heart as well. It's really cool. You're going to dig it. You already know a lot of this stuff. That's why you're here listening to us. And thanks so much for telling your friends about FocusPassion.com too. You know, by listening to this
1: program, you you change your mind in two different ways. The content, of course, gives you new ideas, second thoughts, new ways of thinking. But, you know, even if you never heard a word we said, just spending an hour in that state, that alpha brainwave state, changes your brain as well. So send these on to your friends because it doesn't really matter whether they actually get information from the program. Just the experience of waging inner peace, just the experience of spending 45 minutes or an hour out of their stressful world in this place changes them. And, of course, the content, that could be the bonus. Just go to this paradise place, and your life gets better.
0: And so wouldn't you want to share what you care about, spread the good news, forward these programs to your friends and family members who you think most need them. Choose this particular program for that friend, and this program would be perfect for that other person that I know and care about. And the gadget's right on the website at focusedpassion.com. Com. It's a tool you can use called Share One with a Friend. I've had a few requests lately for the program on dealing with difficult people. Somehow
1: uh, that's been a real popular one lately. We have a catalog of like 60 shows now. You can choose which show best applies to which friend or family member. Send it on to a friend. You can send as many programs as
0: you want to as many people as you like, as often as you like, for no extra charge. And if you're into the social networks, the social bookmarking, Twitter, Post something on Facebook or MySpace or whatever blog you happen to be on. Help get these programs into the iPods and computers of people of all ages, everywhere. Everybody can benefit from this approach to the true self, to the essence of who you are. You know, we're really not selling anything here. We're providing keys to something you've already got which is magnificence and brilliance. Don't hide your light under a bushel. Come on out and play. Now more than ever, the world needs a higher level of thinking, something beyond second thoughts. And in these uh, difficult
1: financial times, here's a gift that you can give for free to as many people as you want. Always carefully choose which program you give to which people because, you see, that's, that's where we don't have the information that you do. We've got the programs, but you know who needs to hear what. Send the programs that your friends and family members most need to hear to solve their problems and to heal their hearts.
0: As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. For Steve Snyder, this is Michael Benner. Aloha.